Was the reformer Martin Luther innovating or in error when he added the word alone to Romans 3.28, for we hold that one is justified by faith alone apart from works of the law? Find out in Pastor Will Whedon's column in the latest Issues Etc. Journal. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Dr. Donna Harrison details her journey to confessional Lutheranism from Catholicism, Scientism, Mysticism, and Evangelicalism. The free online Issues Etc. Journal. Just click the red Journal subscription button at issuesetc.org. We've all probably experienced it at some level. Think back to the height of the pandemic when maybe your congregation was physically closed for business, but pastor still went to church and he still preached the sermon and he still said prayers and you watched from home. That's just a little taste of what some people think the future of the church is, not just watching from home on your laptop or on your phone, but actually every Sunday participating in what's called the metaverse, this other place that is virtual. You don't actually go there. You just visit it online. They think it's the future of the church. Is it, or is it even compatible with what Scripture has to say about Christ's bride, the church. Welcome back to Issues Etc. We're going to talk about the church in the metaverse. Pastor Roland Weisbrot joins us. He is pastor of Victory Lutheran Church in Medicine Hat, Alberta, Canada, and author of The Metaverse and the Ecclesiology of the Future, A Lutheran Perspective. Roland, welcome. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Why are some churches embracing the idea of virtual gathering on Sunday morning? Well, I think the main reason why is, as cheesy as it sounds, is why not? I mean, the disciples were given the commission to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. And we live in a time where technology has enabled us to interact and form community online. So many people just see this as an extension of the Great Commission. Instead of me physically going to another part of the world or to another city or into my community, I can simply log on to an online community and evangelize there. And I think that's the impulse, really, behind a lot of the people exploring this. How did the restrictions that were imposed by many during the global pandemic, push some churches toward virtual gatherings? I think it's one of those questions of necessity, really. At the end of the day, virtually everyone would have agreed at the beginning of the pandemic that this wasn't ideal, but this was just something that we had to navigate and figure out how can we be together when we can't physically be together, because, of course, depending on the jurisdiction, there were some rather strict restrictions in place, and some churches weren't able to meet for months on end. So the question is, how do you cultivate and continue community in that setting? And so I think necessity drove a lot of people to this. The problem with necessity driving it is a lot of people didn't ask the bigger questions of, what are the consequences of this in the long term? And I think that's what we have to reckon with now. So how would you describe the technology of the metaverse? I think the easiest way to describe it would be imagine yourself playing a video game like Mario or Minecraft or Halo or whatever 
video game you might be playing. And when you're playing that video game, you have a controller and you're controlling the character in the video game. You see the pixels and whatnot. The idea of the metaverse, the technology of the metaverse, essentially what it's trying to do is instead of you controlling that character in the digital world, you become that character in the digital world. For no better words, the simplest way to put it is the metaverse is trying to make you Mario. So you're the one hitting the blocks. You're the one stomping on the mushrooms. What are the opportunities presented by the metaverse? Well, I think the clearest opportunities is really giving people an option, people that live online an option to join a community, to be a part of something, to feel as though they belong to something bigger than themselves. I'm old enough to remember a time before widespread internet and smartphone adoption, but I'm young enough to be part of the generation of pioneers of sort of netizens or digital citizens, as they call this sort of generation. And so I certainly in my teenage years developed a lot of really valuable communities online. And had I had access to something like the metaverse, I have no doubt, especially as a, as a younger man, that I would have been engaging in that, seeking community that I wasn't able to find in real life, so to speak. So let's talk about the ecclesiology, the view of the church that has grown up around virtual gatherings or the metaverse. Yeah, I mean, this gets very complicated very quickly because, of course, the only question you have to ask when you're dealing with what is the church in the metaverse is how do you define the church, right? And from a Lutheran perspective, I had to go to the Augsburg Confession, Article 7, which defines the church as the assembly of the saints where the gospel is rightly preached and the sacraments rightly administered. And so, I took that sort of perspective when I was approaching the question of what might church look like in the metaverse. Now, of course, there's many competing ecclesiologies out there in our time. Many people have very different ideas of what the church is, what it should be, what its mission is, how it should operate, what it should look like. And so, really, you have to start with the question of how would you define the church? And of course, as Lutherans and as confessional Lutherans, we take Article 7 to be definitive. We take it to be the the proper way of defining who and what the church is and what we should be doing. Now, many of the people I engage with in my paper and many of the people I spoke to and looked at their approaches have a very different conception of the church. And so they're able to sort of say, yes, so we have church in the metaverse, because for them, embodied presence isn't necessarily essential. Give us some examples of churches that have adopted this form of ecclesiology. Well, the biggest examples would be the VR Church by a pastor by the name of D.J. Soto, and another very large one would be Life.Church. Both of them run metaverse campuses and metaverse ministries, and essentially they view what they're trying to do as the next frontier in evangelism. As I was saying earlier, they view this as a fulfillment of the Great Commission. They view themselves as going where the people are. Many people these days live almost their entire lives online. I have many friends and family members that 
pretty much never have to leave the house. They work online, they educate themselves online, they interact with friends and family online. And so there's this whole group of people that pretty much can only be accessed one way, shape, or form online. And so this is what these sort of digital missionaries, for no better words, imagine themselves to be doing. And what's very interesting is, regardless of how we feel about it, it seems as though that they've had some degree of success in this outreach. There's several testimonies which would seem to suggest that this ministry has been impactful, at least to some extent. Why are some churches theologically predisposed to a metaverse ecclesiology? Well, I think it comes down to the fact that a lot of these churches don't really have... I would actually say it comes down to Christology. Because if we have a disembodied view of Christ, if we believe that Christ is just spiritually present with us and not bodily present, as we confess as Lutherans, then it's easy to imagine why you can operate church in a sort of disembodied space. And the thing that I find interesting is I don't think the people that are operating in the metaverse and running these so-called churches in the metaverse even realize that this is the stem of what enables them to do it. But a lot of these people would view what they're doing in the metaverse as really no different than a radio ministry or a television ministry. They would basically make the argument that, well, if I can preach and teach online, if I can preach and teach on the radio or on the television, why can't I do that in the metaverse. And of course, there are many people who watch a television broadcast of church, and they claim that they're, by extension, a member of that church. And so basically, I think what it comes down to is there isn't really, in some ecclesiologies, the necessity to gather. If all you're going to do is hear a message, if all you're going to do is pray some prayers, if all you're going to do is listen to some music, I mean, really, you can do that anywhere. What are the dangers of the metaverse ecclesiology? Well, the dangers to me seem to be of Gnostic nature or a neo-Gnostic nature. And what I mean by that is this idea of disembodiment. And of course, as we know from Genesis 1 and 2, God created us as body and soul. We're not just spirits floating around. And of course, we as Christians reject the Gnostic idea that we're supposed to just wait till the day that we can be freed from this fleshly cage so that our spirit can exist in this pure, ethereal realm of soul soup. And the fact of the matter is, I think the danger with the metaverse ecclesiology is you can really get a sense of the disembodied presence in it. If you spend your entire time of church online, and of course, these people in the metaverse, you can make your character, you make your character look the way that you want it to look. Maybe you have a few extra pounds you don't like. Well, in the metaverse, you can make yourself thinner. Maybe you don't quite have that physique you want. Well, no problem. You can add some muscles. Maybe you don't like the hair color. You can change it. I mean, for goodness sake, you can even make yourself look like an animal if you want. You can do whatever you want. And the problem here is there becomes a disconnect between reality, who I am physically, who God created me to be, who God formed me in my mother's womb as, 
the person that is made in the image of God, and then the digital creation that I have made for myself. Because I don't think we could say that that digital avatar is made in the image of God. And I think that's fundamentally the problem. You say that there are three questions that must be answered regarding any view of the Church. What are those three questions? Well, going back to the Lutheran Confessions definition of the Church, Article 7 of the Augsburg Confession, we of course see Assembly of the Saints, Gospel rightly proclaimed, sacraments rightly administered. To me, in order for us to say that there is a Church, at least from a Lutheran perspective, whether that Church is in person or whether that Church exists in the metaverse insofar as it can, the three questions that have to be answered are, are the saints assembled? Is the gospel proclaimed? Rightly, of course. And are the sacraments administered? And those are, in my mind, the three questions that have to be answered in order to even constitute something as a Church. How do Scripture and the Lutheran Confessions answer those questions. Go into a little more detail. Yeah, so basically I argue in my paper that the answer to those questions is more or less a resounding no. So the first question is, are the saints assembled? I would say that the answer to that question is no, because at the end of the day, when we think about the assembly of the saints, we have to think about ontological concepts, concepts of being pertaining to space and place. So, for instance, when I come to church on Sunday, I am physically there. I exist in the space, I take up space, and there are other people that take up space, and we all are there at a specific time. So we occupy the same time and the same space. Now, in the metaverse, we are present, but not bodily. We might be present, for no better words, a sort of soul presence. Now, this being said, and this is merely speculative, I wouldn't want to take this argument too far, some people have tried to make the argument that, oh, well, Paul says in Colossians 2, he says, though I am absent from you in body, I'm present with you in spirit, and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Or in 1 Corinthians 5, he says, For my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit as one who is present with you in this way, and I've already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this. So some people would like to make the argument that, okay, even if we're not gathered in person, we can be gathered in the spiritual sense that Paul says. But I think the danger of that, once again, comes down to the disembodiment, because at the end of the day, you can't baptize a disembodied spirit. You cannot give the Lord's Supper to a disembodied spirit, which leads me to the questions further down the line, where the third question being, can the sacraments be administered, to which the answer is no. But before I jump into that third question, I just want to answer the second one. The second one being, can the gospel be purely and rightly taught in the metaverse, to which I would simply say, well, why not, right? I mean, obviously, we have radio shows, we have television shows, and they purely teach the gospel, and there are physical ears 
that hear that message and can be transformed by that message, by the work of the Holy Spirit. Because even though we might be speaking in a digital space, it's still our ears that hear the words. Like, for instance, if I am in the metaverse, I'm using my headset and I'm on voice chat with people, people are still hearing each other's voices. So I don't see the reason why the gospel can't be proclaimed. So the second question is not the problem, but really the third question becomes the crux of the issue, and it connects with the first one. Are the saints assembled? And then, of course, the third question, can the sacraments be administered? And I would say, as I sort of alluded to earlier, that the resound answer to that question has to be no. And the most disturbing part that I found is in some of the testimonies of these virtual churches, these metaverse churches, you have people that say that they were baptized in the metaverse. So, for instance, DJ Soto in his VR church, he had a a woman who has a chronic illness that makes her not able to leave her home. So she started attending this church in the metaverse. And at one point, she decided, oh, I want to be baptized. The pastor of this VR church, DJ Soto, said, no problem, we will get you baptized. And so what they did is they invited the whole Metaverse church together, they invited the friends and family of this woman, and they took her avatar in the Metaverse and dunked it in water, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, of course, all digitally, and then claimed that she was now baptized physically as well. Even though no water ever touched her body, she was still baptized. And the argument that they were making was that her digital avatar is essentially an instantiation of her soul. So her digital avatar expressed her soul and her person so much that by baptizing the digital avatar with digital water, that means of grace could then be applied through the soul into the body, even though, once again, no water ever touched her body. And that's where, fundamentally, I drew the line and said that that's just not possible. Because, and this is where we get back into the Gnostic problem, of the whole sort of division between the body and the soul. Because God did not, as I said earlier, create just souls, disembodied souls. He created bodies and souls. And of course, the same problem comes to the Lord's Supper. How am I supposed to receive the benefits that Christ wishes to give me in that divine meal of forgiveness of life and salvation when all I'm doing is eating it digitally? If my little digital character is eating digital bread and drinking digital wine, how exactly am I going to benefit from that? Especially from a biblical anthropology, because what we're dealing with here in the metaverse is not a biblical anthropology, but a transhumanist anthropology. And that is not at all what we see in Genesis 1 and 2, and this is my crux problem. So the third question is a resounding no. The sacraments cannot be administered in the metaverse. And as a result of question 1 and question 3 being answered in the negative, I would say, at least from the Lutheran perspective, there cannot be a church in the metaverse. We're talking about the church and the metaverse. Pastor Roland Weisbrot is our guest, pastor of Victory Lutheran Church in Medicine Hat, Alberta, Canada, and author of The Metaverse and the Ecclesiology of the Future, a Lutheran Perspective. On the other side, does Scripture allow in any way for a disembodied church? 
Was the reformer Martin Luther innovating or in error when he added the word alone to Romans 3.28, for we hold that one is justified by faith alone apart from works of the law? Find out in Pastor Will Whedon's column in the latest Issues Etc. Journal. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Dr. Donna Harrison details her journey to confessional Lutheranism from Catholicism, Scientism, Mysticism, and Evangelicalism. The free online Issues Etc. Journal. Just click the red Journal subscription button at issuesetc.org. Psalm 144.1 Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Those serving in the armed forces want LCMS chaplains. We need courageous pastors to bring the gospel and sacraments to those protecting our nation, along with wise counsel and the peace found only in Christ Jesus. If you are between the age of 26 and 43 and have a heart for ministry in the armed forces, call 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. Lutheranism in the Public Square. You're listening to Issues Etc. Is your child struggling at school? Are you thinking about homeschooling? Would you like help knowing what to teach and how to teach it? The Simply Classical Curriculum from Memoria Press provides an enriching, step-by-step classical Christian education for students who have autism, learning or behavioral difficulties, ADHD, and more. You'll find everything you need, including daily lesson plans to guide your way. Learn more at simplyclassical.com. Use LPR23 to save on your order. Simplyclassical.com. The days are shortening and it's soon back to school. Ad Crucem has beautiful posters and art to adorn your home school or classroom. And we print them right here in our Colorado workshop. Come and see our various prints by Cronach, Holbein, Bonat, Tintoretto and Caravaggio. Stock up on our daily prayer posters, creed posters and other beautiful Christ-focused artworks. Visit adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. God makes a definitive claim on you in your baptism. You never have to worry or wonder where you belong from that point forward. You are God's child. You are a part of his family and are always welcome in his house. The whole rest of the world could abandon you, but God would still welcome you with open arms. God stands by his promises and never fails to keep them. If he did fail to keep his promises, he wouldn't be a God worth worshiping. That's from the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for August, The Baptismal River, studying the sacrament throughout Scripture. You can call Concordia Publishing House and order The Baptismal River, 1-800-325-3040, or browse before you buy at our website, issuesetc.org. Look for The Baptismal River, the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for August. We're talking with Pastor Roland Weisbrod about the church and the metaverse. Roland, does the Scripture in any way allow for a disembodied church? Well, and that would bring me back to the comments that I made about the Apostle Paul saying in 1 Corinthians 5 there in Colossians 2, the idea of being absence in body but present in spirit. But my thing is I wouldn't want to stretch that too far. I mean, there's also, an, to an extent, Todd, I come to church on Sunday. You go to church on Sunday. We are thousands of kilometers apart. And yet there's a way in which we are interconnected. We all belong to the one body of Christ. And so even though you and I occupy different physical spaces that are thousands of kilometers apart, 
doesn't mean that there isn't a sense in which we are also together in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And of course, the greatest instantiation of this would be in the Lord's Supper, where we all partake in the same meal and at the same table across time and across space. Now, the only thing that I would say with this is I I wouldn't want to stretch this argument too far, because the problem that I've often seen in my research on this topic is people will take this and run with it, and then they will basically go from, oh, yes, it's a possibility, to because it's a possibility, we should do it, to we should do it, and we don't need to do the other thing of physically meeting, because clearly we can all be spiritually present together without having to come in person. So it's a bit of a slippery slope argument, but I would definitely be inclined to interpret Scripture in such a way that would suggest that it doesn't really love the idea of a disembodied church. We don't have a disembodied Christ. We have an incarnate Christ who is both body and soul, of course. We have the divine and the human. And as Martin Luther says, if I am to say that Christ, the Son of God, is here, I must also say that Christ, the Son of Man, is here as well. We can't divide those. And so if you apply that Christological logic ecclesiologically, I don't really think Scripture allows for a disembodied church, no. Other than the virtual church, are there other possibilities for the church's use of the metaverse? I definitely think so, because, once again, I'm very much in the generation that was raised online. I spent a lot of time in online chat forums. I spent a lot of time playing video games with my friends and whatnot in various capacities. And we really did form very valuable communities. And as cheesy as it might sound, we had a lot of deep conversations in those communities. We would talk about faith. We would talk about life. We would talk about the struggles that we're going through. Maybe something just isn't going well in life. We would talk about the sins we were struggling with. We would talk about the questions of life. We would talk about philosophy and theology. And so for me, in my opinion, I don't see why you couldn't have a sort of a discussion group in the metaverse. Why not? Why couldn't you have that? You could certainly even have a Bible study in the metaverse. I don't see why that isn't possible. So I think there are different ways in which you can get people to interact in the metaverse that are helpful to the church's mission and purpose and can help us to reach a demographic that quite frankly, would never darken the doorway of a church. I know of a lot of people that have social anxiety these days, and the idea of walking into a church building with a bunch of people they don't know is equivalent to a nightmare. But if you say, hey, I've got an online chat room here, I'm in, we built a little discussion room in the metaverse, come and join us there, I would say that there's a high possibility of people being more comfortable to join that, at least at the beginning. And what we have read in in my research, what I've read from the sort of successes of these churches in the metaverse, is there is some degree to which that is actually working. So even though I wouldn't go so far as saying church can be in the metaverse, I don't see why we can't do sort of evangelistic, missionary, and outreach work in the metaverse. In my mind, there's no reason that that can't be an area of exploration for people that feel called to do so. How do you respond to the idea that technologies like the metaverse are neutral in themselves and the church can use them however they find useful? 
Well, I would definitely say that I'm in favor of that argument. We use technology in the churches all the time. We have live streaming technology. We use the radios. We use the televisions. And at the end of the day, technology is morally neutral, in my opinion, because I can open up the Internet and I can listen to Issues ETC, or I can go to my seminary. I can attend my online seminary, the Institute of Lutheran Theology, and just go in classes there. I can do all these wonderful things. I can watch lectures online or listen to podcasts, but I can also use it to access illicit material that I shouldn't be watching. So at the end of the day, the internet is not going to stand before God and answer for itself, but the user absolutely will. So really, in my opinion, it comes down to that. And I would use even another example and say the printing press, which very much was what made the Reformation successful and even possible, that printing press was used to print Bibles, but it was also used to print illicit materials as well. And yet the printing press is not going to answer to God, but the people who utilize the printing press definitely will. And so that's what I would genuinely say. But, but I think that no matter what technology we're using, no matter what we're engaging in, we need to be discerning. We need to look at Scripture. We need to really consider what the potential consequences of engaging in this technology are. Because as we know, and especially as the pandemic sort of wound to an end, a lot of churches started to debate the question of, do we keep our live stream? And the reason why is because some people were using the live stream as an excuse to not come to church. I'll just sit, I'll watch church at home in my pajamas and drink my, my coffee. I don't have to do my hair. I don't have to put on the clothes, and I don't have to interact with people I may or may not like. And so a lot of people were using it as a cop-out to stay home. But in the same respect, a lot of people that are shut-ins, a lot of people that genuinely couldn't come to church were being enriched by hearing the Word through the live stream. And so it launched this massive debate among pastors and congregations of, do we keep this or not? But these are the sort of conversations we have to have, because in my view, the technology is neutral, but how we use it, and us as users are accountable to God, we must be discerning in the way that we use it. I would express more concerns about AI than I would about the metaverse, personally. Pastor Roland Weisbrot is pastor of Victory Lutheran Church in Medicine Hat, Alberta, Canada. He's author of The Metaverse and Ecclesiology of the Future, a Lutheran Perspective. You can read it at issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Pastor Weisbrot, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Todd. Have a great day. We'll be discussing mental health and the problem of evil in our series Kids Have Questions with Pastor Jonathan Connor next. How do the global flood, circumcision, and the Israelites wandering in the wilderness foreshadow the baptismal flood in Christ? Find out in the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for August, The Baptismal River, Studying the Sacrament Throughout Scripture. This new Bible study is published by Concordia Publishing House, their phone number 1-800-325-3040, or find out more about The Baptismal River at issuesetc.org. The Baptismal River, Studying the Sacrament Throughout Scripture. Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world. 
specifically pastors who are asking for additional education but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com. Education and edification. You're listening to Issues Etc. Greetings in Christ and thank you for listening to Issues Etc. If you ever find yourself visiting the Smoky Mountains in East Tennessee, please join us here at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Sevierville. We see it as a small part of our service to the church to provide sound liturgical worship opportunities for vacationing Lutherans to our area. For worship times and directions, please visit our website at splctn.com. That's splctn.com. Concordia University Chicago invites all high school students to attend the annual Careers for Christ weekend in person on our beautiful campus in River Forest. Careers for Christ is November 3rd through the 5th. You'll have the opportunity to learn about professional church vocations while having fun with CUC staff, faculty, and students. For more information, visit cuchicago.edu forward slash C, the number four C. That is cuchicago.edu forward slash C, the number four C.